the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Well, welcome to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. It's good to have you listening in with us today. Danny, how are you? Man, it's good. It's good. How about yourself? We're doing well. We're wrapping up January here when we're recording this, and so getting ready to start planning more for the rest of the year now that we kind of have an idea what's going on with COVID and going places and seeing what's, what we think we might can do this next year. Yeah, for sure. We're in the uh, we're in the same boat, and I was telling somebody earlier, even though it's just towards the end of January here in the South, we can actually say it's a little closer to warmer weather and uh you know start getting ready for uh, all that good stuff yes but we may have snow next week so we could which we is yeah snow. yeah hey, i had snow here yesterday where i'm at so yeah, it was 72 two days ago that's exactly right yesterday and so it's almost cliche or uh whatever to to say wait five minutes but it's it's pretty accurate it's good i I think everywhere says that. I think everywhere you go, they yeah. say, hey, wait five minutes and the yeah. weather will change. So, When I was thanks. in Wyoming, it was the same way. So, you know, <laughs> right. now I'm pretty sure it's not going to change in five minutes. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Danny, why don't you tell them about one of our sponsors that helps make this show possible? You bet. Some of you guys know that uh, Ben and I, and by uh, extension, our guest today, uh, all met at Central Baptist College. And if you need a college degree but don't have the time, the Pace College Degree Program at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas, has a proven in-class, online, or hybrid course format and multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. We understand you can't quit your full-time job, which is why we have developed a flexible format that has helped adults for 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. So here's how you get started. Go to cbc.edu online, apply for admission, or request a virtual meeting, a personal enrollment counselor will help you enroll in classes. And so you can visit cbc.edu slash online today, and you can start earning that degree, reaching your goals, and one day you can host a podcast like us because we go. went to CBC. <laughs> That's it. I don't know that CBC's whole goal is to create podcasters, but they can help you do that. And, and That's right. Mission. That may or may not have been part of the promos. So. That's right. But we're thankful for them. You and bet. I'm proud of them, and we want you to go check out CBC. Well, we have a special guest with us today, and one of the things we're going to be talking about with our guest, because he's got some good experience with this, is on how we can learn from the Chair 1 leaders. When we're in the second chair of leadership, how can we, what are the lessons we need to learn from Chair 1? Today we've got with us Brandon Cox. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Now, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself, and, and part of this is I want you to introduce your, a little bit of your story, because you went from a chair one to a chair two role. Now you're back in a chair one role. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Well, I've been a, a pastor since 1997 and started out as a very young chair one senior pastor, really small church. Um, it was a discouraging experience. Uh, after a year, I thought, I'm done. I'm never doing this again. So I, uh, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna be a youth pastor. I'm gonna be in a in a chair two position. A few months later, my senior pastor of the church I'd gone to left, and uh, they asked me to be the senior pastor. So it was kind of up and down. Uh, spent the next 13 years or so being a senior pastor, and then got just kind of an out of the blue phone call one day from Saddleback Church, and they were looking for a pastor 
with some technical and social media knowledge, and this is 10 years ago, so it was still kind of a young field, they were looking for somebody with that mixture to come and help them relaunch pastors.com. So we moved across the country to Saddleback Church and uh, took on that role and uh, was there for a year, at the end of which they sent us back to Arkansas to plant a church uh, in partnership with others. And um, I kept working in that role for, for about nine years remotely. COVID came along and kind of interrupted everything. But uh, so yeah, just sort of back and forth between those two spots uh, for, for the course of the last decade or so. Yeah, I love how you just nonchalantly say, oh, Saddleback called. (laughs) You know, Saddleback, the Saddleback with Rick Warren. But you got opportunity there to kind of sit under some good leadership and just training. And, you know, what was it like sitting in a chair two role in that environment? Yeah, I would say the environment itself was the greatest part, Uh, meaning decisions are made differently in, in an organization, a church of that size. And things move differently than anything I'd ever seen before. And you can't quite understand it until you kind of sit in the middle of it and you watch how things get initiated and executed. So watching Pastor Rick come in and do a staff meeting and there were 350 staff in the room in the theater and he would come up with an idea like, I want to start a book club. And he would point someone out in the crowd and say, I want you to help me get this off the ground. <laughs> and by the end of the day, you've, you've got this thing started and there are no votes. There's no committees. There's no, uh, it just, the way things happen is very different. So that was a big part of just observing all that and learning from that was, was really awesome. So were you involved in any of those ministries, getting them started? What did he point to you for? Well, primarily pastors.com, which back then, uh, 10 years ago, it had been a very uh, strong online presence for a long time, especially in the late 90s. But over time, it had shifted from one team to another within the Saddleback staff, and it just kind of just kind of died. The website died. Uh, Rick still had his email newsletter, very strong, uh, but my goal was to launch a whole new website from the ground up. So we just kind of started and developed it almost like a new blog. And, uh, and took off from there. So that was, that was my primary gig. When you go from, you know, being kind of in that chair one for so many years, and of course, moving across the country to a church like Saddleback, you know, okay, this is, this is not Kansas anymore, so to speak. It's going to be a little bit different. Like you said, just that environment and, you know, help me with this or reformat the website. Uh, what were, as you were kind of walking through that, uh, how did it equip you to be a better chair two leader knowing you'd already sat in chair one? Yeah. The, the biggest thing is understanding the heart of a senior pastor and, and how he, especially in, in Rick's case, had started the church. And now I'm in a church that I started, you know, he, he lives and dies, eats, sleeps, breathes for the life of this body. So I'm coming in 30 years after the founding of this church and I'm joining into a vision for which there has been a lot of sweat poured out already long before I got there. So for me coming in, I look back and go, well, I know what it's like to be that senior leader and to hurt all week long over the spiritual health of a congregation. And most people that that pop in on a Sunday, they may love their church, 
but they're not going to have that 24-7 kind of hurting and aching over the health of the church. So just understanding that helped me to go, all right, how can I help him to lead with that kind of heart for his for his church? Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of even I think a lot even of his chair two leaders don't understand some of that full weight of the responsibility of the chair one person, because in chair two, we've got our role that, you know, as long as my stuff is covered, I'm good and I don't have to worry about the big thing. But there's a lot of that weight you brought in that you understood coming into that role that you could help support and and understand it. It just gets on a huger scale somewhere like Saddleback. Yeah, definitely. And I think there come those times when uh, the senior pastor at some point may have to say, look, I I really appreciate your input, your feedback. I love your idea or what you're working on. But at the end of the day, here's what I think we got to do, because I'm the one that someday is going to stand before the king and answer for all these people. And so that it helps to to be able to kind of sit back and go, yeah, I really just need to trust him as the one that's going to have to take the most heat for how he leads. <laughs> yeah. You've been at an advantage because you've been somewhere that, you know, most, I think a lot of, especially young leaders would give their right arm to be able to sit with Rick Warren and, uh, you know, just his wisdom and connections and just the experience that he's got. What, if you were to, taking that information there, what brought you back into where you are now, what do you wish you had paid more attention to in that chair two role that would help you come to lead better now that you're in the chair one that you may, Hey man, if I'd have paid more attention at this moment, that would have helped. Yeah. I think, I think for me, probably one of the biggest things looking back is uh, I focused on my role and, and my role was pretty specific and my role was really to minister to other churches. So what would happen was we'd have a Sunday Uh, When the weekend rolled around, I would attend four or five of the services and there's a green room in the back. And so all your backstage and the speakers getting ready to go up or whatever. Um, And if I'm not careful, I'll stay in that room the whole weekend talking to other leaders. One of the things I wish I'd done more of was just getting out of that room, getting out on uh, Southern California to have a patio instead of a lobby. Just get out on the patio more. And just be around people more and see how my fellow pastors ministered to people face-to-face, one-on-one. I wish I tuned into that more and just caught more of a heart for that while I was there. Yeah, I know from my experience, that's when I've done my, I did my internship coming out of college, when I've been around other pastors, one of the things where I've learned the most is just spending some time with them. Go, you know, sitting in the car, ride to the hospital, asking, what about this? What about that? Taking those opportunities just to hear the, what did you do in this instance? There's a lot of wisdom from our chair one leaders, whoever is ahead of us, that they can apply to that. I heard someone once say, there's uh, enough mistakes in the world that you don't have to make the same one twice. And so you learn from your mistakes, but also you can learn from Though those are around you, their mistakes. You don't have to repeat their mistakes either. So there's a lot of wisdom that can be gained to help us not make the same mistakes others make. Yeah. So, well, when it comes to mistakes, uh, I had a big one while I was there. Um, and it really made my, it was one of those like, I might throw up kind of mistakes. Um, the we, I was publishing an article and the article was going to be about no matter what's going on in the world, you got to keep preaching the gospel. 
So whatever the current event is, whatever. And back then, at that time, you had uh, Harold Camping predicting the second coming of Christ for about the third time, you know. And we knew that wasn't, probably wasn't going to happen. Um, and But people were talking about it like crazy. So I wrote this, I wrote this article, and the headline of the article was, no matter what happens this Sunday, preach this, okay? Um, but when I put that into the newsletter we sent out, I changed a, a little bit to make it more sensational. And it was something like, uh, in spite of the world ending this weekend, preach this. <laughs> something like that. So Saddleback predicts the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, and, Rick know, Warren again is predicting things. So, <laughs> oh, and of course, that email went out to like 220,000 people. Uh, one of whom is one of the sweetest people I know, Kay Warren, Rick's wife. And so I get an email from Pastor Rick. It was forwarded to him by Kay. And it basically said, what is up with this headline? We don't, we don't do things this way. We don't try to capitalize on negativity. We don't sensationalize things. We want to build up and encourage pastors. And I mean, my heart's just sinking. You know, I have misrepresented the guy I came here to represent and all of this. But but here's what happened. I, I sent an email back to Rick and I just said, I'm so sorry. I want to represent your voice well. I don't think this reflected your heart. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do better next time. And he responded with something that honestly has shaped the culture of our church for the last 10 years. He said, Brandon, that's your mistake this week. Go make another one next week. That's how we learn. And it was like, wow, you know, this, this sort of culture where you were encouraged to learn from mistakes mm -hmm. and to collect those mistakes together. And, and I'd heard Rick say once that for everything they tried and succeeded at, there were 20 things they tried and failed at. So um, I think, you know, speaking to all the leaders out there, just anything you can do to create a culture where people are not defined or defeated by their failures, but where they're legitimately given some grace and the ability to build on those things is, is strong. One of the things I've experienced, uh, yeah, I, I make a weekly mistake. I mean, you know, I almost uh, didn't have my notes for the podcast two minutes before we went on. I make a weekly we mistake on, so. every day. A about. weekly mistake every day. That's right. And, you know, where I'm at now serving, uh, you know, smaller rural church. And what I have found is sort of a similar, like our folks are very patient, you know. And now that I've been in some type of ministry chair for the last 21, 22 years, you know, you think, I won't do that again, but you know you will, and you just make it sometimes out of that arrogance of, oh, I won't mess up, and when you do, it's embarrassing. You think, wow, I can't believe I did this again, and, you know, it's been, and this doesn't happen everywhere, but just to be able to have people go, it's okay. We'll make it work. We will get away around it, and, uh, you know, it's just good to have that culture of grace and I think it encourages me to show grace to our people because they make mistakes, you know, and uh, whatever chair you're in, the people that you work with and uh, you were talking about earlier, just wishing, uh, you know, you had a better understanding rather of the uh, senior pastor's heart. And I can remember stepping into my first chair one role and yeah, all of a sudden this pressure and this stress. And I was thinking, where does this come from? And I was talking to a mentor and God worked with, he said, man, you're in the first chair now. You know, he said, there are 
ways that you can shield and protect people in those other chairs so they don't have to feel that kind of pressure. He goes, but it'll be rare that you don't feel that kind of pressure. But I just think that uh, that culture of grace and what a what a great uh, story and example of Pastor Rick doing that for you. And like you said, now, of course, you know, the name of your church kind of says it as well. So, <laughs> Well, I think when you come to that, one of the things you've got to be able to do is admit, I messed up. And be able to, hey, if you're in that chair, I've had to go to my pastor and say, look, I blew it right here. I made a mistake here. And I think that goes a long way to being forgiveness, being able to be extended. And when you say, look, I blew it. I messed up. I made the mistake. I'll do my best not to make it again. But when you, well, when you try to justify what you did or defend your position, instead of just being honest and saying, yep, I blew it. Um, I think that goes a long way in, in that culture of grace is just the, admitting I messed up and not only offer having that from, you know, a chair one or a chair two forgiveness for where you are, but just being able to willing to say, yeah, I did mess up. Yeah. I like to say you can, you can avoid responsibility or you can grow. Uh, if you want to grow starts with that repentance. So, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, you can avoid responsibility or grow and yeah, there's a thought too. sometimes I think, okay, I'm in this, I'm in the chair one now. So I'm going to let the other chairs grow, uh, but we're constantly learning. Uh, I told uh, I told somebody recently, I feel like in some ways uh, I'm learning all over again how to preach, how to pastor, you know, just what it looks like to do those things. Probably some of that comes with, you know, maybe a little bit of age now and I'm not as young as I would like to think I am. And, uh, you know, just being able to on those mistakes, you know, now all of a sudden you go, yep, I, I'm a pretty flawed person. You're going to get, I, I'll tell you this wouldn't happen again, but it is, you know, and uh, so it, it helps you grow. And, uh, but all growth is not uh, fun or easy or church camp mission trip retreat type growth. So. So in your experiences out there, um, Anything like that that you say, look, this a chair to in a large church is not much different from a small church. It's just on a different scale. Same issue, same problem, same issues. I mean, I would imagine the Saddleback has some of the same issues and problems that my church does or any smaller church even has mm -hmm. that, you know, we all experience. Yeah. I th you know, when I was there, for example, they changed the way they did first impressions. And the way they changed it. One I thought the, they were a Baptist church. We don't change, do we? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> wow. Uh, but they had a they had a number of people leave because they had they had greeted people kind of the same way for twenty five years, um, and so when they made a change there, they had some folks that just didn't feel like that was their church anymore, and and they stepped away. And I go, man, I've I've seen that in a church of fifty that I've led down to 35. <laughs> so it's nice to know that it, it happens across the board. People are going to people wherever they are. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, Brandon, what are, you know, not just the time at Saddleback and of course, you know, you're a pastor now, a church that you planted. So working with chair two leaders now, what are some, um, what are some of those ways you try to connect with them? Cause I know that's one thing that, you know, I have tried to remember what it was like to be bivocational at times, or I, I've I've tried to remember what it's like to 
you know, for as much as you wanted people in your church to see you as a real pastor, as a real minister. And so I, uh, I've actually learned a lot from a friend of mine named Chris. He's done such a great job kind of modeling maybe what that could look like really well, where you go, hey, that guy's a pastor too. That, that guy has a minister's heart as well. And he's not waiting till he grows up, you know, type thing. What are some ways that maybe you kind of incorporate that uh, where you're at now? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things is, uh, you know, when you look at the way Jesus led leaders, made disciples, it was very life on life, uh, face to face. And I think for us, uh, I've tried, I'm not always great at this, uh, but I've always tried to create those one-on-one conversations. Like I have a weekly meeting with all of our pastors, just sit down to coffee, just one-on-one. Uh, and so I've, one of them's on Tuesday, one's on Thursday, one's on Friday, and, and I just space them out, you know. Um, and it's just that sense of trying to pastor those pastors and say, what, what's going on in your life? How are you? How's your soul? How's your family? That kind of thing. Um, now, I'm an introvert by nature and probably tend to isolate more than I should, um, which I know that's what we've all been doing for the last 12 months. But, um, you know, just trying to, to remember to schedule it and be face to face, be present and just pastor people, you know, where they're, where they're living life at is huge. Because I think that's where people say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm learning. Uh, this is the theological question I'm wrestling with or uh, the spiritual battle I feel like I'm in. And, and that's where, to me, real discipleship and leadership growth happens. I think you could take that principle. Maybe your senior pastor, if you're listening, um, doesn't do that. Maybe that's not naturally part of this, but you could instigate it. You could say, hey, could we meet every Thursday morning at 10 for coffee? Just have a cup of coffee. Let me just ask you some questions or things I'm going through for 15, 20 minutes. And that, you know, don't make them commit to all day even. But that's when you can learn from those mistakes. Hey, what about this? I'm, I'm wondering this. Here's some ideas. And you can really start to run through um, those things together. I know our staff... Um, before COVID, it was not uncommon for us, to, all our pastors, to go to lunch together, about six of us on staff. And we would probably three to four days a week all go to lunch together. And we probably did more ministry decisions and discussions at those lunches than we did in staff meeting most yeah. time. That's where uh, the ministry happened because we, you know, we'd talk about life, we'd talk about what's going on, but then we'd bring up an issue that we're dealing with at church and talk it through. Um, mm-hmm. So those are opportunities for you to learn from your chair one, and maybe they're not good at it, but instigate it. Take Say, hey, let's go to lunch. Let's go get coffee. Can I come sit in your office for a few minutes? Ask those questions that you're wrestling with. Yeah, the, the funny thing about senior pastors, or at least the senior pastors I know, is um, we tend to assume that senior pastors are all outgoing and they're all go-getters and they're going to they're going to manage their schedule really well and the truth is that's like a handful most of us who are senior pastors we know the things we wish we did more of like i wished i poured more into the leaders here but i don't always initiate that so I've met tons of people that are on staff all over the place and they've all said, I wish I had more time with the pastor. And so I think when you reach out, when you initiate that and say, hey, can I buy you coffee once a week or whatever? Yeah, it's it's a huge benefit to that senior pastor because he probably wants to do it. He just is not necessarily a great initiator of it. Yeah, and he's probably not going to tell you no if you ask. 
Yeah. Because, you know, even if he doesn't want to, he's going to feel guilty if he says, no, no, I'm not going to spend time with you. You're just one of the other staff members. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Go get my coffee type mentality. So, you know, one of the things I I found early when I stepped into that chair one, um, I I was blessed to serve under a couple of really good pastors and and they both did things quite a bit different. So I, I felt like it was a really... Uh, really helpful. But one of the things stepping into chair one that really helped me out uh, was my director of missions at the time, who was just really good about doing that. You could say, hey, could I meet with you? Because while I watch these guys, uh, you know, I, I still I still don't really know what I'm doing, even though I watch those guys. and I've got this tool uh, chest over here that I put all these tools in, but now I need to to really start using them more. And, and so maybe, you know, maybe you have a, a senior pastor that just for whatever reason won't make time, doesn't want to meet with you. Maybe they do make you bring their coffee to you. I don't know, but reach out to some of those guys to be able to say, Hey, listen, could I spend time with you? I, I, I want to be able to know uh, some of these things. And so, you know, we, we don't want you to be isolated. And as a fellow introvert, the pandemic has been great for me because, uh, you know, it's just my natural, my natural response to, uh, to isolate, but really have to battle against that. And I've got to put people in my life to help me with that. I would think you would find more pastors, probably more introverted and like the study like that. And that you know, the public part of the ministry really is a hard part of it for them in a lot of ways. They force themselves to do it because they know they need to, they want to do it. It's just, sometimes it's, it's harder work to be that public persona and be out there greeting people. And, but that may be for another episode <laughs> talking about the personality. Well, Brandon, thanks for joining us. Now I got a couple of questions for you before we go. Now you, you transitioned from Arkansas to California back to Arkansas culturally. What was the biggest shock for you? That's almost like a mission yeah. field. Well, on the positive side of California was a lot of diversity. Uh, the neighborhood we lived in, we were in the minority as a as a white family. Uh, the church that we were part of, Saddleback, because it's a it's near L.A. There's a lot of people from uh, Pacific Islands and so forth. Uh, one day, Pastor Rick said, "I want to read John three sixteen in as many languages as we can find. So go out on the patio, greet people, ask them if they speak another language." When the weekend was over, they had sixty six languages represented. So. That to me was this beautiful thing that I had not really experienced before of a truly multicultural church. Um, on on the negative side, it was expensive. I mean, <laughs> cost a lot of money to live in Southern California. Um, so our little tiny apartment was like twenty two hundred dollars a month for almost nothing, and uh, so adjusting to that was big. They come back to Arkansas, I was like, man, everything's cheap here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did they convert you to In-N-Out burgers out there? Yeah, I, I love, I like In-N-Out. Uh, I'm more of a Five Guys burger myself. Ah. But that's going to be my question to you. I was going to ask, <laughs> are you a Five Guys or In-N-Out? I have that written on my notes right here. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard to go wrong. I, I've never had In-N-Out and... Uh, but five guys I've had enough of, and it's good stuff. Yeah. They're not a sponsor, well, by the way. <laughs> Unless you Brandon, want to be five guys. For... If you're listening, we'll let you sponsor yeah, us. We'll let you. So, Brandon, how can people get in touch with you or follow you or connect with you if they want to want to do that? Yeah. Easiest way is just if they hop on brandonacox.com. There's a little contact button, get in touch button. Uh, whatever you send through that comes straight to me. And uh, Or if you can remember, brandon at brandonacox.com. Just shoot me an email. And happy to help with 
any kind of resource I've got. That's right. You've written a book. You can check that out. Rewired your book. Um, you're on Twitter and on the Twitters and the Facebook and social media and stuff. You can find him there, and he's real engaged. And um, he'll even respond back if you send him a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do my best. That's right. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of Chair Two Leaders. You've been listening to Chair Two Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.